Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's your girl Cy Brown. I am so happy to come at you today. Today is Thursday and you know what we do on every single Thursday. We have our weekly Ecclesia Bible study hosted by my buddy Dewan Colione. He's in Atlanta. I'm in New York, so we just have a grand old time just praising the Lord and having a good time. So it's definitely my pleasure to come before you every single day. Well, yeah, I'm before you every single day, um, but just to join us for our weekly Ecclesia Bible study. Today, we the theme of today's show is Carry Your Cross. So we're really going to get into what exactly does that mean. And, uh, you know, it's we're going to see what that really, really means because what happens is once we look at what carrying your cross means, it kind of gives us a fresh and different perspective on how we're supposed to move as it relates to our salvation, as it relates to our eternal life, as it relates to our businesses and our finances and all of our affairs. So it's just carry your crosses is, is a is a very very good topic. So I'm definitely thankful that Dewan calls in graciously and hosts the show every single Thursday. Um, I remember, you know, just when we were talking about this topic, sharing with him how when you talk about carrying your cross, I saw it on an episode of The Sopranos where Carmela said, you know, hey, you know, this talking about her son AJ, how he is such a cross to bear. And I said, you know what, how does that relate to carrying your cross and how does that relate to the burdens that we all have to bear, you know, at any given time? And so Dewan is going to elaborate a little bit on that. So he's going to be right with us. Let's get into a song real quick before we start our Bible study. It's your girl, Cy Brown, right here for LifeRemixRadio.com. Stand up, stand up, 
are doing that, we're going to do this right here. I want to say thank you. Chapter 10? 
Matthew 10 and verses 37 through 40. Yeah, actually, you can do uh, 37 through 39. Or you could actually do, okay, let's check this out. Let's, get, let's put it in context. Uh, 34 through 39. Okay, I just put it uh, actually in the chat room right now. Oh, Celeste says I'm very, I'm very low. <clears throat> Celeste, send me another text message and let me know if that's any better. Okay, I hope my volume did get a little bit better. I'm reading Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 to 39. 34 through 39. Okay, let me, all right, everybody just in the chat room, 34 to 39. Okay, and the word of God reads as follows. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who is concerned about his life shall lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake shall find it. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. So that's our foundational scripture for today. Now, as we think about the topic today, carry your cross, this is very important, and I know um, I know the discussion is going to branch off into very different areas, aspects of our lives, but this is, is really critical. As we just come off of uh, Resurrection Sunday in Christian circles and Passover week, um, I think is is a great time to really get into this because last week we talked about Passover and its relation to Christ and how the Passover uh, feast, the festival, the celebration, how Christ fulfilled that um, whole work, his celebration through his um you know, death, burial, resurrection, suffering, and uh, on the cross. So, you know, I'm sure everybody, you know, attended some type of service on Sunday. And, you know, one of the favorite things that teachers always like to do is they get to the part and they say, Sunday morning, he got up, up, put on some new clothes and walked up out of the grave and, you know, they did all that and everybody shout. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Everybody shouts and just goes crazy and runs through the church and all that type of stuff. And we get all excited about the resurrection part. But we don't, a lot of people never get the entire context of what the cross was or, or salvation is. You can't really embrace the resurrection until you first understand the death and the burial of Christ, and then even before that, he had to he had to carry his cross. So um, when we look at the context of today, when it talks about in Matthew ten thirty eight from I, I study from the Young's Literal Translation, it says, "Whoever doth not receive his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me." That's the first step of. of the transitional step of salvation that a lot of people don't get to. After they, you know, they shout, they run and dance, they, they're euphoric, it's a utopia, I'm saved, everything is great. Somebody please tell me what the blessings and the benefit packages are. There comes a point where you actually have to start to grow and mature and move into the things uh, of God because what we got to fully understand, when Christ died on the cross, he gave he gave up everything. He gave up his uh, uh, heavenly estate. He gave up everything he had. He knew no sin in order to save those whom he you know he chose from the beginning of the foundation of the earth. And what we fail to equate in the in the equation when we go back and look at Matthew ten thirty four through um, thirty nine when you read, mm-hmm. you know Christ said you know in verse thirty four. You suppose that I came to bring peace on earth, but he did not. He said, I came to not to, to put peace but a sword. They 
basically, you know, he was basically saying when you decide to carry your cross, it's going to automatically put you diametrically opposed against the world system. It's going to put you opposed against members of your own household because it says in verse 36, enemies of a man are those of his own household. And how many people can can identify with in their life, regardless of what they're doing, whether it's trying to get another degree or stepping out on faith and leaving a job and, you know, starting a business or, you know, just deciding to go get a Yaki number six and get some weave, there's always somebody that's going to be in your own household, your own clique, your own family, or somebody that's going to be against you, um, discouraging your walk. And a lot of times when people, you know, transition into Christ, they meet a lot of opposition from their own household. And then he goes into verse 37, he says, you know, which, you know, looking at it on the surface, is like, what is Christ doing? Is he tripping? He's talking about who's loving their father above me is not worthy of me. Who's loving their son or daughter above me is not worthy of me. And we like, well, why would he want him us to choose him over the people he gave us? Our sons, our daughters, our fathers and mothers. But that goes back to the first uh, commandment, thou shalt not have other gods before me. I mean, because he's still part of the Godhead. You know, God doesn't change. The precedent of relationship with God doesn't change. He even asked the patriarch Abraham to sacrifice his son to see if he was going to have something above his love for God. So the one thing we have to, like, embed in our hearts and minds is that when we are Christians or saved or walk in salvation, because it's a salvation process, you walk it out. You have to endure to the end that you may be saved. Um, you have to understand that we owe him our entire lives. I mean, it's backwards right now. The paradigm that people preach and teach, they tell you, go out and live your best life now. Get what you want. Have what you want. You should be doing this. You need to discover yourself. You need to be all you can be. But that is diametrically opposed to what Christ said in Matthew ten thirty nine. He I said, that now. "He said, he who found his life shall lose it, and he who lost his life for my sake shall find it." Now, to me, I understand that because you know maybe about three, three, four weeks ago, I wasn't on Blog Talk Radio. We were running, you know, previous shows, and I was going through a whole period for about a month, month, two months, where. Everything I wanted to do or thought I wanted to do, I had a dream about doing, I wasn't doing. Whether it was, you know, Bible study or radio or entertainment or, you know, writing articles for magazines or different, whatever the different aspirations and goals um, I had, I wasn't doing. And I had to realize my entire life, since, as long as I can remember since the sixth grade or whatever, I've always been doing something entertainment-wise, something media-wise, all the time. That's something I never gave up. I always was doing it. And it got to a point in about December of 08 to where God just shut everything down and wouldn't let me do anything. And I had to make a choice, a decision to lose my life. Okay, well, if you don't want me to do anything other than just, you know, be a husband and a father, then that's what I'm going to do. Because ultimately, it's not my life anyway. You know, it's not about what I want to do. It's about what he wants you to do. Um, I mean, you look at the Apostle Paul, he wrote a lot of the New Testament, but his name was Saul first. And when he was Saul, he was, you know, he became a Roman citizen, even though he was Hebrew. He studied in the best schools. He was learned in the Torah. I mean, he was somebody in the, in the world system or in that religious system. He had all the accolades and he came, you know, from, you know, the tribe, I believe, of Benjamin. He had all the, the the bloodlines, all the lineage. He had everything working for him. But God was like, nah, that's not working for me. So he had to die to all of that. And then God changed his name from Saul to Paul. And then when he turned to Paul, then God commissioned him, or a better word, resurrected him to do what he wants to do. And that's, I think what... That's what's missed when we talk about Resurrection Sunday, that 
when Christ res- resurrected, he got resurrected to an elevated position, you know, a new position, a, a, a new role, you know, a new name was given that was above all other names. He was seated in heavenly places. So many times, you know, we want, you know, the things of God, but we don't, we're not willing to die to ourselves and our lives first so that Christ, so that God can resurrect us in his will for what he called us to do because you might have a Ph.D. and be teaching at a school, and God may, you know, you you go through the transition of becoming saved, and then God says, I want you to go to Brazil and, you know, teach kids down there or do something totally opposite of your career goals. And that's what we have to be willing to accept, his life. Like he said in verse um, 38, and whoever does not receive his cross and follow after me, he's not worthy of me. What you got to understand, inherent in carrying your cross is that you're going to die. You know, the cross in Roman times was a method of execution, no different than people going to the electric chair today. If you say Sider Brown is going to the electric chair, you got to carry your electric chair, then we would know at some point that you're going to die because you have a death sentence. So when Christ is saying you got to carry your cross in verse 38, it is inherent that we're at some point in our journey of uh, uh, our when we mature that we're going to have to die to ourselves and all our self-isms, the things that are I, me, what I want, and mine, and all these things that we claim, like my ministry, my church, my people, you know, my car, my house, and my clothes, and my blessing. I got to get my praise on. All these things at some point have to die as you move into a greater fellowship with Christ. And unfortunately, we don't see that today in the modern church paradigm, which people never die. They just keep doing what they're doing. They keep doing them. It's like the song that was on the radio, I'm going to do me and you do you. They, they never they never die to themselves at all because that is a, a painful process. But if you're ever going to be worthy of him, it's a must. It has to happen. Um, it, it It's a prerequisite. I mean, does any of that make any sense before I go to the next phase? Hello? I think we lost South Brown. Hello? Yeah, I think I just lost down for a quick second. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, we back. They didn't want us to get that word out there like that. Sorry about that. I think I just lost um, down for that quick two seconds. Sorry about that. Okay. So I'll stop at that particular point and see if you have any questions about the context of well, those scriptures. Yeah, a little bit I do. Um, True just put sigh, sigh. Uh, yeah, hate you. I see you in the chat room. Yeah, one of the things I, I we talked about, oh, True says we, that you, they all heard him. So sorry about that. Maybe it was just me or my headset. Um, but anyway... One of the things I had asked you about earlier was that um, Carmela, from the, the, the episode of The Sopranos, I heard her say about her son, AJ, that he was a cross to bear. And I asked you about that, just kind of prepping for today's show, that what does that mean and what significance does that have? Well, I mean, in the context of that... If at all, if at all. It could be a part of... Of her process, I mean, um, in that picture instance, she was saying having to deal with her son was a cross because it was a painful um, circumstance. She was probably having to deny and sacrifice and deal with a lot of things to be in that particular um, relationship. But ultimately, the cross is is its ultimate goal when you have to carry your own cross. God will use a multitude of things to you know, get you to where you need to be. Uh, ultimately, you're going to have to get to a place where you 
are dead to your to the flesh or your mm-hmm. or your self desires or things, so that you can actually be used or not used because God really doesn't use any anybody. Actually chosen or selected to do His will. So. Um, Wait a minute. You just said God doesn't choose. I say he doesn't use anybody. I say he chooses and selected because a lot of times we like to say, God, use me. God's going to use somebody. No, you know, that's not really a good connotation. A lot of times when people feel negative when they've gotten used, so he doesn't use anybody. He chooses and selects people to do his will. I didn't, that I didn't know, and I never looked at it from that perspective. I want to get back to the whole piece of, of carrying the cross. How come, then, if in, and, and this kind of even segues into um, the conversation you and I had before the start of the show earlier this morning, if we're supposed to carry our cross and it's supposed to, we're supposed to carry our cross, die to self, as it says in Matthew 10, how can we translate that, if we can at all, into other areas of our life? The whole purpose of sacrifice, you know, and I asked you specifically about marriage. I asked you about business. How can that that scripture translate into other areas of our life, or is it meant to be stored in the box of our religion? No. Um, I mean, it, it perf- is a perfect illustration of, the marriage relationship because um, it says that the husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So, you know, Christ gave his his whole self. He died for the church. So in the context of marriage, men are supposed to be able to basically die to themselves you know, and that's something, it's a whole nother discussion, but a lot of problems occur in marriages is because men never become men. They stay boys, and they got to have their boy toys, and they got to hang out with the boys, and they got to do all these different things that they feel like they got to do. And when you are trying to do it biblically, you know, quite, I mean, the man is supposed to be patterned after Christ, so he's going to have to be able to die to all that stuff first and foremost, so that he can um, be the proper husband and be able to cover his wife so that, that she can be taken care of in uh, every every conceivable manner, manner that's possible. So that for a husband, it, it, it becomes death, first and foremost, to a lot of his self-isms or things he would like to be able to do. Then if we're supposed to die to self and die to what, the world wants and pick up Jesus' cross, how are we supposed to, like how you said at the top of the show, you know, like live your best life? I'm a big believer in that. I subscribe to that philosophy, live your best life today. I'm a subscriber to that modus operandi or that ideological belief of you can have a great life today. How is that? Does that contradict picking up Jesus's cross and following Him and dying to self? Is it a blatant contradiction? Is it walking out of the will of God? And I'm asking this really honestly. Okay, um, you can put it in the chat room for reference to the husband being, you know, the head of the woman. Is First Corinthians eleven three, and it basically goes into detail how Christ, you know, loved the church. And vice versa, how the man's supposed to. But to ask, um, answer your question, no, it's not a contradiction. I mean, you got to think about it. Before anybody comes into the knowledge of Christ, you could say, "Hey, I'm a strip club owner, and now I'm living my best life as a strip club owner." But you know, in the context of becoming, you know, uh, a Christian male, a priest of your home, if you're married then you, you're not going to be living your best life anymore as a strip club owner. You're going to have to give that up and find out exactly what Christ would have you to do and live the best life in the will of what he would have you to do. So the thing is, if Christ becomes your head, you know, the rest of your body can't be running around doing other things other than what 
the head or in our, in our natural context, our brain will be instructing it to do. If the brain is, you know, controlling and saying, heart, you need to beat, and all the other organs need to be operating in this particular function, when they start operating outside of the function, then that's when you have problems, and that's why we have so much stress and strain in our natural lives, because once you become saved, your life is not yours anymore. I mean, that's what the scriptures say. So therefore, if you're still trying to live your own thing outside of the will of God, then that's when you're going to have the struggle. It's not that you can't have your best life, but it's, your best life is is really in him. If you turn to uh, John 15, chapter 15, I think this will, will hook it up. Say, hook, hook me up. Now, we ain't going to turn to your neighbor because, see, the old people didn't play that out. So we're going to take it to 2009. We're going to do it how we do it, Generation X style. So this, instead of turn to your neighbor, um, text your neighbor, instant message your neighbor, um, Facebook your neighbor. That's how we do it. We don't, we don't turn to them. We do it with, through digital apparatus. I just put um, in, the, in the chat room, John fifteen fifteen right? No, just uh, John 15, um, verse 1, and read all the way down to verse 7. Okay, John 15, 1, 7. And Truth said he just um, talked about being saved last night. Well, that's beautiful. Uh, it's so beautiful, you don't want to call it, I tell you. You're so simple. <laughs> well, it just shows we're all on the same, you know, great minds think alike. So John 15... 1 through 7. I just put that in the chat room. <clears throat> John 15, okay. John, I'm reading from the book of John, uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7 in Lambs' Aramaic translation of the Bible. I am the true vine, and my father is the laborer. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he cuts off. And the one which bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bring forth more fruit. You have already been pruned because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain with me and I with you. Just as a branch cannot give fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, even so you cannot unless you remain with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who remains with me and I with him will bear abundant fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Unless a man remains with me, he will be cast outside like a branch which is withered which they pick up and throw into the fire to be burned. If you remain with me and my word remains with you, whatever you ask shall be done for you. Mm. See, that really underscores the context of our relationship with Christ once you have been adopted and grafted in to his, uh, as we say, family tree, because he is divine, we are the branches in this. So now that we've decided to give up our life, as we studied in Matthew uh, chapter 25, lose our life so that we may have his life, then at this point, this is the context of how we're supposed to, how it all works together where it doesn't, actually that was Matthew chapter 10, sorry about that, but um, how this all works together in our relationship with God is that he said in verse 7, actually, let me back back up. He said in verse 5, he said, apart from me, you're not able to do anything. So we get it twisted and, and we fight with God. We spend so many, and I'm talking about myself, we, we spend a lot of time and a lot of years trying to do what we want to do, try to do ourselves. I'm going to do me. And, and we realize after how many years it is that we can't do nothing. But he already said, apart from me, if you've already accepted me, this is the paradigm, this is the protocol, this is the manual of how this works. Now, if you're going to still try to do you, then that's what people do when they're not Christians. They do themselves. But now once you come into this paradigm and you've been grafted in into this tree, this is what I. this is how we do this. Now, if you keep trying to do your thing, outside of my will, outside of my instructions, because you get his will and instructions through prayer time. Not It always doesn't have to be 
in a prayer closet or in some spooky situation in a church where everybody with white sheets on running around. That's not it. I mean, you could be praying while you're driving or in the park or doing whatever, but through your communication and contact with Christ, he will reveal to you what you need to be doing so that you will remain in him because because the whole point once you become uh, saved is to bear fruit, which is to multiply it's no different, uh, the application is no different than fruit trees. You plant trees, you plant seeds, so that it grows into trees and produce more fruit. So you plant orange trees and you hope to have more oranges. The whole point of salvation is that the, the works of Christ gets duplicated, replicated in the earth. More people become saved, more witnesses, more good works happen. As Obama says, change doesn't just happen. It happens at the local level. It happens in the communities, in the neighborhood. One person doing good, affecting another person, it affects another person, and then you have um, nationwide change. So in that same paradigm mindset, Christ is saying that in him, this is how it's supposed to work. And he says, you know, if you don't bear any fruit, then, you know, my father is going to cast you out. You're not going to be a part of this. You're going to be cast into the fire and they are burned. And that's at verse 6. And we already know what that sounds like. That sounds like some place you might not want to be at or go. So, as we. Can I say something? Can I interject something? Yes. You, you said, I'm going to throw some words that you said earlier on another show back into this one. When you said. Like right now, and this is not meant to be a gotcha, but you said we're supposed to bear fruit, and bearing fruit is sharing God, is it not? That's one aspect. Okay, but then I remember before you were saying how, <clears throat> like, it's it's not all about going out and winning souls for Christ. How do we resolve those two opposing positions? Well, it's a whole another study, but they're not really opposing. Bearing fruit is is a, it covers a lot of aspects of a Christian life. Whether it's you're bearing fruit by being a good father or good mother, or you are working in uh, an elderly care facility, or you see somebody on the street and you and you decide to feed them or give them money, you or you you go into the prisons. You're bearing fruit, and at the same time, by what you did, is a bigger witness of Christ that may win some people to uh, Christ than actually going out and, quote-unquote, preaching Christ. The actions, the deeds, the fruit is is a more indicator of who you serve or who you, uh, tree you are of than necessarily going out and, you know, setting up a tent somewhere and, you know, having tambourines and, and a megaphone. So it, it's, still, it's still part of it. I wouldn't say that it contradicts, but it's, it, it's part of the entire process. Because if you look back at, um, at verse 2, it says, Every branch in me not bearing fruit, he, he does take away. And every one bearing fruit, he does cleanse by pruning it that it may bear more, more fruit. And so many of us throughout our lives and even now are asking God, why is these things happening to me? But you understand if you've ever had been in a garden or ever dealt with, you know, trees, that's part of the process. You have to prune. You have to cut. You have to cut branches, cut, you know, leaves. You have to cut back, scale back so that it can produce even more. It can yield even more fruit. And a lot of times... The trials and the tribulations, the problems, the setbacks, the obstacles, God allows those things to come because you are a fruit-bearing person. You are a person that's good, that's actually an asset to the kingdom of heaven. So he puts more on you so that he can get more out of you. No different than when you go to the gym and work out. It's people that work out, you may start out at, you know, 10 pounds. But as you're able to master that weight, you go up to 20, 25, and you bench press in 200, 250, it always goes up. But there's always a, a threshold of pain and more dedication, more more sacrifice that it takes to move up. And that's the same process of which Christ is talking about in John uh, 15, 2. Which says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he cuts off. 
and the one which bears fruit he prunes so that it may bring forth more fruit. When you're talking about pruning, is that like going through trials and tribulations? Yes. Mm, I've been there. I didn't like that. I didn't, but I didn't how, did, how did you feel when you came out of it? Actually, I felt much better and kind of happy that I did go through that. Because when you when you look at it on the other side, you're like that. Well, I tell you, and I shared this on December eighth, not so long ago. I wanted to drive my car into the Hudson River. I'm like I'm driving into the water. I just was so frustrated, so tired. Just it was a 2008 was a horrible year financially for me. And once I got through that, I literally have been on fire. The momentum, the possibilities, and the opportunities have not stopped. Here we are in April going into May, and they have not stopped. I am sitting, I'm actually, my laundry is starting to pile up, which it never does, because the possibilities now are amazing. And I look at that from, like, dag, if I had never gotten to that point, do I really think I would have the energy and the zeal and the excitement that I have now, I really don't think so. So I guess to your point, that was a really sucky time. That that little blip, those two days, two, three days was horrible. I mean bad. But you know what? Secretly, I'm so happy I went through it because I am such a different person on this side. Such a different person. Such a different person. Such a different person. So I guess being pruned... Um, it's not that bad. <laughs> oh, true. Are you still there, D? Yeah. True. Put in the chat room. Hey, not on my birthday. You don't. Hopefully, never that will happen again. The feel. No, true. I don't think it will. I don't even think I could go back into that place again. I don't even know how I got that way. I to this day, I don't know how why I felt the way I felt that day. It was just a very horrible feeling that just said, you know what, this is it. But I didn't know it was your birthday. But just on another programming note, my birthday is in, I know this is like a side thing, but 1, 2, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 more days I'll be, oh, I was getting ready to tell a story. I'm not going to tell you. But anyway, my birthday is the end of this month, so we're going to have a good old time, the day of my birthday on the show. But anyway, let's get back to pruning because I don't want to deviate too much from our Bible study. Mm-hmm. But, um yeah, in chapter 2 it says, He prunes so that it may bring forth more fruit. I guess I'm just fruiting all over the place. <laughs> Maybe that didn't sound right coming out, but... Well, I mean, if you read John fifteen six and 7 and 8, check that out. Unless the man remains with me, he will be cast outside like a branch which is withered which they pick up and throw into the fire to be burned. If you remain with me and my words remain with you, whatever you ask shall be done for you. In this the Father will be glorified that you bear abundant fruit and be my disciples. Now see, on the surface, based on what we've been talking about, verse 7 at the end, he says, whatever you wish you shall ask and it shall be done to you, seems to contradict everything about, you know, dying to yourself and getting up your life, all that type of stuff. But he put it in context. when you He said at the beginning, if you remain in me and my sayings, or his sayings is his word, because he is the word, which is the scripture, the doctrine, sound the truth, in you may remain whatever. Then at that point, because that was the qualifier, then whatever you wish, you shall ask. Because obviously, if you remain in him and and his sayings is written on the tablets of your heart and in your mind. You're not going to ask to be the owner of a liquor store. You're going to ask the things of God according to his will. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So in that point, then it shall be done for you. But unfortunately, a lot of people teach, oh, just ask what you want and it's going to be done. Name it, claim it, document it, write it down, confess it, and it'll happen. But that's taking it out of context. The context is, you, you you acknowledge the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You take up your cross. You die to yourself. You mature. You regrow, you grow. You move into doing His will as the first and foremost thing in your life. You're no longer fighting back and forth between 
your what you want to do and what you want to achieve because I know in my low points in life when I felt bad and I wanted to drive in front of a train and all this other type of stuff, it's because I wasn't doing anything that I felt felt like I should be doing. But in verse 5 of John fifteen five, he says, apart from me, you're not able to do anything. Right. So when a lot of times we compare ourselves to other people and say, man, look at that person over there or look at that person they don't even acknowledge God, and they're doing this and they're doing that. Well, they're not in God. Once you're in God, your parameters change. I mean, your the rules change of how you're supposed to operate. And he says, you know, you're not going to be able to do anything apart from me. So you might as well make it up in your mind to do the things I'm calling you to do. And in verse 6, if you remain in me, you know, you will, you will eventually get to the point to where in verse 8, in this was my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and you shall become my disciples, because we're all supposed to be his disciples. The whole point of our life post the cross is to bear much fruit. In whatever way that is, however way he may instruct your life to go, you need to be bearing fruit in that, whether it's doing blog talk radio, life remix radio, or, you know, you, you work in retail sales, or you uh, a teacher, or you may be, you know, uh, elder in a congregation. Notice I didn't say pastor in the church. Um, whatever it is he's calling you to do um, in his will, then that's what you should be bearing fruit in. But we have to get to the point to where we're willing to lose our life that we may gain it, and that's something that nobody talks about because we don't want to do that. I mean, how can we be so much like the world's system of thinking, which says, get it how you live it, make it happen, do you, be all you can be? That's a world paradigm. That's That didn't start with Oprah. That started with the devil. The first thing the devil told Eve was, you can be like God. You can be all that you can be. Don't you know you can be a god? If you eat of this tree, you'll know the the difference between good and evil. You'll be wise. So that's always been from the beginning. It's it's diametrically opposed to the things of God. It's the trick to get us to try to be like God instead of being in God. See, that's the difference. That's a critical difference. A lot of people... Don't teach us to be in God. That way we be obedient and move into his will and things. We're trying to teach people how to be like God, how to be God in ourselves. So it's, it, it sounds similar, but it's a totally different method of operation. And, it, you know, a lot of people will be deceived by it. Well, I want to say one thing. I One of my biggest issues that I had, and I share with my young people all the time, is that, um, they always ask me, Miss Saida, how come I'm doing the right thing and such and such is getting whatever? Oh, wait a minute, I have somebody who's been on hold to chime in. Well, let me say this real quick. A per- caller from 706, I'm sorry, I didn't have my switchboard open. I'll pick you up in a second. Um, but real quick, a lot of my Sunday school young people would say, Miss Saida, how come we're going to church and we don't get anything and this person has and they don't even go to church? And I looked at that really deeply, and I had to figure out an answer, and I couldn't figure out what the answer was. And um, one day God revealed to me from the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 17, and I, this will forever be embedded in my heart, where I tell, where the Bible says even evildoers get blessed. But in, in verse 17 it says when the Lord comes back to take his people, excuse me, he's going to know who's been serving him, and pity will be given to those um, who have not been serving because the Lord keeps a scroll of remembrance. And I use that to, to share with my young people to let them know even evildoers or unsaved or just people of the world, they're going to get blessed too. But God is keeping a scroll of remembrance. So when he comes to collect his belongings, they're going to get left and you're going to go with him. So I, I think that speaks to exactly what you were saying. Um, I do have a caller from 706 area code. Caller from 706, are you with us? Yes, yes. How you doing? Oh, it's Derek. How are you? How you doing? I just, I just I'm called. Sorry, to I don't know. How, were you were holding? Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I just called to listen in, uh, you know, to tell you to keep the faith, keep doing what you're doing, and 
just like when I went to a fasting and praying workshop last night. Yes. How the pastor's favorite scripture he talks about, you know, everything gives thanks. Yes. So it may not have went the way we wanted it to, but we still have to give thanks. I just wanted to share that with you. I didn't call to call in. I just called to listen in. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Derek, for calling in. God bless you. Thank you. Yes. Um, we're, we're starting to wind down the show. That was fast. Well, you got to understand, like, when you're trying to talk to that to the child and let them understand. Yes. You know, the Bible says, you know, God makes the sun to shine on the evil and the righteous alike. It's like you said, you know, oh, people are going to get blessed anyway, period. So if you make your salvation and you make Christianity all about blessings or our, all about cars, houses, and what we got on, this lunacy is foolishness because people who don't even know God can get all that type of stuff. That's not what it's about. It's, it's like you said, and you got to understand, if you're truly appreciative of what Christ did, if you truly understand of what was done at the cross, then you know you owe him your life, so whatever he wants to make of it, you're happy to be in that. You're happy to do that, and you're not concerned so much about what other people are doing, not doing, and how they're living and what they're getting because you understand what you got saved from. And I think a lot of people don't understand that, what they got saved from, because they look at everything in a finite time of, you know, I'm going to live 80-something years or 90 years or 120 years or whatever, and everything is so in the present, in the now, and they don't understand that, you know, salvation, those who are chosen or called called and chosen to that is an eternal thing. We can't even rationalize in our mind forever. Right. But So, therefore, we don't rationalize forever not being with with God after death. We don't rationalize it. So we put everything at stake into the here and now of this life. I mean, you think about Noah. Everybody in his time was concerned about the here and now, doing what they was doing. And God said, I got something eternal for you. I'm going to save you and your household, eight people. It's going to move beyond this age. Everybody else's life is going to end. So Noah spent his time, however long it took him to build that boat, doing the will of God. Whatever job he had, whatever he was trying to do, he stopped doing it. And he, because Christ, God was the vine, he was the branch. He did the things, the words that were spoken to him. And he did that. And in doing so, he saved his family eternally versus everybody else that was doing their life, doing what they want to do, living how they want to live. And then when the floods came, it was a wrap. It was over for him. So we have to sometimes look at our life in context of a very wide-angle shot, just like when you're watching a movie and they pan all the way back and you can see the entire uh, city skyline and they pan all the way back to space and you see the earth. I mean, sometimes we have to look at life in a very, you know, that type of context, not just about right now. We have to look at it, in the, you know, as best we can from how God sees it because he sees the entire picture the beginning and the end and what it means and you know I I knew people that you know died this particular week a family of five you know mm. uh, tragic accident you know they somebody cut them off and they ran um, they got forced across the median and crashed into another car head on and exploded on Easter Sundays blew their car up the husband the, the wife the daughter same age as my daughter we both had the kids dedicated at the same time at church mm. and they had a two month old baby and another child was in the car and it's a, it's over it's a wrap it's done whatever successes and careers and all the things that everybody was thought they was going to do or was doing it's all now in the context of what fruit was was did they bear who did they affect mm-hmm. what were their lives about I mean, when you look at it in those in those contexts, not that you think any of these type of things are going to happen to you today or tomorrow or anything like that, but you have to, like they, you know, like sports people say, they live their life like it's their last. They play the game like it's their last game. 
sometimes you got, I mean, every day you got to live life like it's your last day. Right. I mean, you got to look at, okay, if this is my last day. I, if every, if God said, hey, you're going to be checking out today at 5 o'clock, I don't think most most people would be uh, fasting or going to somebody's worship service or doing whatever they can to get themselves in order spiritually. Or they might go out and try to tell as many people about the Lord or whatever. Uh, sitting with their family, spending time, they would be doing the most important things in life, trying to bear fruit if they knew exactly when Christ was coming back or when their time on this earth was over with. So that's why he, he says that is the point of being the disciple. That's why he said he's going to come back. That these are the things that you should be doing until that time. You should be, you know, handling your business as far as doing his will and whatever he's called you to do because at the end of the day, that's what's going to be the most important thing when you look at it. You know, when he said you can lose you try to save your life, you can lose it. And if you lose it, you gain it. I mean, I think of something like somebody like Luther Vandross. Everybody knew Luther Vandross. He was super big. But the minute he died a month later, nobody thinks about Luther Vandross. There are no specials on TV. R&B hasn't stopped. The Grammys hadn't stopped. Concerts hadn't stopped. People still put out CDs. So it's not that he didn't do anything. He did a lot of stuff on the music. But, it, I mean, you got to understand, I mean, what did it all mean? Because people keep on going. They keep on living. They keep on doing what it is they do, regardless of what you accomplish. I mean, and Luther Vandross accomplished it all on the music side, and it still didn't matter. People keep going. So then you have to you have to say, well, if all of that doesn't matter, then I need to be looking back at John fifteen five and understand for apart from him, I'm not going to be able to do anything. So I need to figure out what he wants me to do because the thing is when we all stand before him, he judges that fruit to see what was good fruit or not because you will be rewarded for the things that you did in him. So why would you waste a lot of time doing a lot of stuff that's not going to mean anything in your eternal ledger? Like, you know, I wasn't very good at accounting. I think I took it like four times in college. <laughs> but I do remember the ledger, and you want to have some some, some assets, some uh, right. kingdom access. You don't want to spend your whole life in, li- in, in liabilities because it's not going to add up to anything at the end of the picture. Well, is that your final thought? Give us your final thought because we're down to two minutes. Well, my final thought is as we come away from the Resurrection Sunday that we must understand that if you're saved, if you're a Christian, at some point you're going to have to carry your cross. It's it's inescapable. Uh, It's inevitable. There's no such thing as you get saved, you run down front, and you shout, and you get all the toys and the blessings and all that stuff. No. If you're going to be a disciple, like he said, you can't have nothing. You have no part of me. You're not worthy of me. You're not going to be a part of my um, my family if you're not willing to do what I did. You're going to have to, at some point, grow up and carry your cross and die to yourself so that he can resurrect you and call you into the things that he wants you to do so that you can bear fruit. You just can't be a Christian in name or in T-shirt or sitting on a pew. You're going to actually have to reproduce. You're going to actually gonna have to bear fruit. It's not all, you know, worship services and conferences and, and dressing up and wearing, you know, suits and big hats. It's Everybody's going to have to get to that point where they transition from 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 death to true life in him. I mean, if you don't do that, then you're not going to be a part of them. I mean, he said that those branches that don't, he takes them out. He, you know, he separates them. And, you know, they discard those branches into the fire to be burned because they was in there, but they weren't They weren't bearing fruit. And anybody that's a gardener who, who understands that stuff, they cut off branches or dead branches or dead leaves. You cut them off. Because they're not bearing anything, they're not doing anything, they're not producing. So you can perpetrate and you confront Christian all day, but at the end of the end of, the, end of your life or or whatever, if you if you haven't done, if you haven't matured, if you haven't, because you know a fruit when it's when it mature, 
that's what it is, and it falls to the ground. When an orange is mature, it it went from a seed to an actual orange, then it's mature, it's ripe, it's ready to be harvested. That's what we have to do. We have to mature and grow and be willing to go through those trials and tribulations that prune us, that cleanse us so that we can actually glorify the Father. Amen and amen. Uh, just to everybody that's... Uh Oh, I think the show just ended. Hold on one second, Sue. Hold on one second. <clears throat> yeah, so the people that have dialed in to listen, they can still hear us, but um, the people that were actually listening on the line, um, they... They got cut listen. off like at and <laughs> You're so silly. Uh, I'm going to give our closing prayer, and as always, I encourage everybody to please download this show. Please, 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 with a triple please, download these shows. If if no other show of mine, download the Thursday show because when Dewan was away for those couple of weeks um, dealing with his family, we were able to live and be sustained based on his previous words. You, some people didn't even know until I made a reference or something in the show to snow, and they're like, wait, is this pre-recorded? Because the message was just as timely the second time we heard it as the first. So please value his time and his message and download these shows and save them. Um, thank you so much for listening, as always. And we will be here right, we will be right back here tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. And always remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. And also remember, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart always be acceptable in his sight. Amen. Dee, thank you very much, and uh, I'll, I'll hit you up later. We'll talk later on today. <laughs> All right. All, All right. Bye. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye. <laughs>